You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A very merry draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the Arrowhead Pride Draft Show. And uh, coming at you with less than a week until the NFL Draft. That just gave me chills. I'm joined by my co-host. Co-host, find him on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. Jake, this is the last Friday before Draftmas. It's here, man. We it's all it. here. And, you know, we record this Thursday night. <clears throat> it's 825 right now on a Thursday. This time next week, we're going to be posted up opening gifts. Yep. And it's, it, we're going to be posting up. Uh, we're going to be posted up at, uh, at Intercom Studios at the 610 Sports Radio Station. Uh, Craig and I will be joining Jay Binkley for the first round. And we've kind of been sitting on this information for a little bit. And uh, we're really excited to be part of of uh, of Six Ten's coverage. We're going to cover the entire first round, and I'm really excited for this. I'm really excited for uh, for Craig too. This is his first time doing live radio in studio like that, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we could not be more excited about that. So if you want to kind of hear our takes about what's going on in the first round, and I think kind of how it relates to the Chiefs. You can tune into 610, uh, 6'10 and, and talk with me and Craig and uh, Jay Binkley over at 610. We're really excited about that. Um, if, if, you like our, if you like our channel, please feel free to give a five-star review. Uh, apparently, it's a good thing, and I say that every week. Uh, but uh, SB Nation likes, likes five-star reviews, so let's, let's go ahead. and If, if you like this, uh, please, uh, please feel free to do that. Uh, Jake... I know you said you kind of had some gut feels, and I, I told you to save it for the pod. You had some gut feelings kind of about the about the draft. I want to hear them. Uh, I, I wanted you to save them and so we could just kind of react right now from them. What would you have? Okay, so I got one that's Packers-specific and one that's NFL-specific. My, my gut feeling for the Packers at 12 is this, and this is a lot of Packers fans are going to be upset. Brian Burns is going to be available, and they're going to pass on him. <laughs> They're not going to take him. Why do you say that? I just don't think he fits Mike Pettin's criteria of what he likes as an edge rusher. He, you know, historically hasn't had smaller, kind of lighter in the pants guys like that. He actually kind of, you know, likes edge rushers that are pretty similar to what Spags likes. He kind of likes those guys that can get after it in the run game first, and then he kind of builds on the back end of his defense. So. I don't think Brian Burns is going to be a Packer. You know what? I'm not sure the Chiefs would take Brian Burns either. 
Uh, yeah. Like I, I, we've kind of been having some questions about that. Like I'm not sure that Brian Burns even makes a ton of sense if you know if they don't trust him to add some weight. So what were the other takes you had? So my other take is this: people are talking about the Bengals a lot at 11 and how something crazy is going to happen in the top 10. There has been some rumors that they really like Dwayne Haskins at 11 if yeah. he falls there. What I think is going to happen is they're going to trade up to eight with the Lions who want to move down, and they're not going to take Dwayne Haskins. They're going to take Drew Locke. Ooh. Drew Locke just looks like a Cincinnati Bengal to me. And the, <laughs> and the reason and get, but the reason for that, why? If you want to move on from Andy Dalton, why are you going to draft a younger Andy Dalton? I mean... There's some layup and three free th- uh, layup and three pointer tendencies similar. Right, I, I kind of get what you're saying a little bit. And Drew Locke is the anti Andy Dalton. He would look good on the move if if they want to play that boot game the same way that you know Sean McVay likes it. I mean, right? He has I've arm talent that Andy Dalton has only dreamt of. Right. So I, that's my other take. I like. I just it. could see it happening. I, I I could see it. Did you have anything else? Did you, you had one more? Well, but you had, told me this one. Yeah, I had one more, and uh, sorry, I, I, I'm still getting over this cold, so like my voice is a little bit shaky. You I sound thought, great. I thought, Actually, I, I thought you I sounded was, pretty good on the I podcast. I thought I was going to sneeze week. there. You ever get one of those sneezes? Yes. Things can happen. Sorry, made me made me kind of sweat. Made me want to sweat a little bit. <clears throat> that was a terrible transition. <laughs> that was but, terrible. So I talked about this a little bit ago with you guys. I kind of tweeted it today. But last year, if you remember leading up to the draft, Maurice Hurst had the heart issues. And leading up to the draft, you know, we were told basically, eh, he's going to fall, but he's not going to fall that much. Expect him to go round two, maybe early round three. That He went to round five. And there wasn't very many teams that had him on their board. Right. So... Because <laughs> John, Bre- okay. John Green just um, doesn't care about his well-being. Right, and he doesn't. And so Montez Sweat... Granted, he's got less of a heart issue, but teams don't want to take a guy in the top half of the first round that has any issues like that. Right. Granted, it's not as big of a deal. They let him work out still. They've been trying to downplay it, but I don't think it's crazy to kind of think that he might fall in this draft, that he might slide. Not 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 Maurice Hurst fifth round, right? But maybe you know from you talking his range being like the Lions at eight, probably not getting past Carolina at sixteen, to maybe starting thinking maybe in the early twenties, mid twenties, maybe he's there at twenty nine. And you know that would like throw a, a complete wrench in this entire thing too. Yeah, you know, I mean Montez Sweat's availability, and I I read today at least four teams have him off their board. Right, and that's and that's kind of what I was going off of, of just the like. Duh, teams right. for you know teams freak out about this stuff. If you're going to pour this type of capital into anyone, yeah, you need to check pretty much all the boxes. Yeah, no, and, you're and not wrong. I, I honestly think a medical red flag is bigger than a character med- red flag in a lot of instances. Because yeah, because teams are going to think, well, this guy he's 19, 20, 21 years old. He's going to grow up. Medical issues, you don't just say he'll grow out of it. Your heart he's condition, not, yeah, he's, he's not, not growing out of that issue. He's <laughs> right. always going to have it. Right? No, you're not wrong, man. I mean, I, I could see it, and like you saw what happened, Maurice first last year. Uh, let's get let's jump into some day three prospects. Uh, I, we've been kind of doing that uh, every single week on this show. We're going to continue that. Uh, what's your What's your guy this week, Jake? So my guy is a wide receiver out of Syracuse. His name is Jamal Custis. He is a 214 pound receiver. Um, was not really able to stay healthy the majority of his career at Syracuse. 
He did stay healthy. His senior year ended up with 51 receptions, 906 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, he is just the type of dude. I call him, he's a Keem Butler light is what he is. He has great athletic tests. I mean, he's a 4-5 guy, 124 broad. Um, just a really good athlete for that size. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read my how he fits with the Chiefs. Just because from I think, the Casey draft, oh, it's it's a sexy write up. Okay. I, I like it. You get, so, you get your deep voice. Yes. <laughs> so it says Jamal is the definition of a lottery pick. There is a lot to like. His game reminds me of Hakeem Butler, Ooh. who will undoubtedly go much higher than him. If the Chiefs Chiefs are interested in that type of player, Custis could be had at a much lower value. And while his learning curve is much steeper. He is the type of guy that may end up being a better pro than he was a collegiate player. If his injuries are behind him, he may be worth a late-round flyer. That was that was beautiful. Well done. Uh, he, no, he he could be you know kind of that you know if you're trying to get a big body guy. I mean, and you want to try to find value late. He makes sense. Uh, my guy, Tony Pollard, the running back from ooh. Memphis. Yeah, is he a running back or? I I mean that's kind of the that's kind of the question mark. You know, I've been kind of targeting and profiling some of these pass catching. Uh, running backs, and this is a guy that kind of fits in that mold too. If you're looking to try to add more dynamic pass catching ability to your running back room, Tony ba- Tony Pollard might be a guy in day three that makes a little bit more sense like that. I don't think he he's kind of like James Williams, where I think he's more of a pass catcher than he's a route runner. I think uh, yeah, I think he's pass think catcher he could, than a runner. I think he could be in the, he, he's a slot receiver. Some people too. think he's in a slot receiver too. So like you've kind of got those pass catcher traits at the running back position. He's kind of um, you know can, you know stuck in between so um that's a guy i think you should take a look at Mem- from memphis you know daryl henderson gets all the love but tony pollard was good too i'll say this too last year as i was falling in love with anthony miller i kept going back to who's this, who's this number one is that anthony no that's not anthony miller that's a guy named tony pollard he is he's a fun player he is a fun player so one thing that we thought we would do this week and, and we did it actually we we did this draft on friday <laughs> Last Friday, we went ahead and we took uh, each, me, Jake, Craig, and Matt all took 11 players that we think will be drafted in any round by the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're just, it's kind of a fun exercise to see how many we can get and who can get the most. We all kind of came at it from different angles and different logic points. Um, And so I, I think like, there's some there's some kind of like it's not always necessarily like players we necessarily love like i'll explain here in a second some players on here i didn't really like but you'll get the reason why i did in a minute so we all took turns did a snake style draft like you do with your fantasy drafts and we took 11 players each and i'm just going to list off all of mine and then i'll stop at a couple and kind of explain a lot of these names are players we've talked about a lot so here here's where i went and this is an order i went rock yasin I went Byron Murphy. I'm sorry, Bayron Murphy. And part of the reason I did that was because I wanted those fringe round one, round two kind of cornerbacks. And I think Brett Veach kind of showed his cards a little bit, talking about the strength of the top 100 players at the cornerback position. So I, I think I, I feel good about that. Uh, then Byron Murphy went on a visit shortly after that, too. I went with Darnell Savage. I went uh, the safety from Maryland. I went with Charles Amenehue, the edge from Texas. I went and grabbed Lonnie Johnson, and I went and grabbed uh, another Texas or another Kentucky player 
later in the draft because I'm trying to make that Matt House connection. That's kind of my strategy. I try to grab a couple Kentucky players. Sione Takitaki, linebacker from BYU. Kahale Waring, the tight end from San Diego State, who wound up taking a visit this week too, Jake. Hmm. And then, I mean, so like I feel good there. Then I took Mike Edwards, a safety from Kentucky. I don't like him. I just could see them taking a late-round flyer on a Kentucky product if Matt House liked him. I'm just I'm swinging. I'm swinging for the Kentucky fences. Uh, Bruce Anderson, the running back from North Dakota State. Mike. Wheel route. Wheel route. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. We'll, we, maybe we'll tell you a story after the draft. Maybe after the draft if it happens. Maybe, maybe we'll tell you a Bruce Anderson story after the draft happens. Michael Dieter, the lineman from Wisconsin. And then I went with Tristan Hill, the interior defensive lineman from UCF. Okay. Uh, my, you know, you can kind of get an idea of my logic. I'm banking on early cornerback, uh, some of the Kentucky connections, and maybe another connection there too. We'll talk about after the draft. Jake, I think your best pick is Lonnie Johnson. I, and I'm scared about that because, like, I like Lonnie Johnson. I don't love Lonnie Johnson. He would be like my seventh best pick. <clears throat> oh, I went with I went after guys that the Chiefs are going to take. <laughs> is what what I went Did after. You, yeah, you take Jalen Ferguson. No. <laughs> uh, so my first pick is I, I kind of I'm banking on Veach trading up and a lot of people didn't really go get that guy I mean some of us kind of did but the guy if they trade up I think it's for uh, Cleveland Farrell and also how do you say his name I've heard so many people say it differently I believe it's Cleveland Farrell Cleveland Farrell and, like and, referral and uh, no it's funny because you hear people talk about it and it's like it's clear that they don't know how to say it so it just kind of turns into Cleveland Farrell Cleveland Farrell Cleveland Farrell um, but the edge rusher from Clemson um, I think if they trade up that's a target for them another guy I think is someone that we've targeted on this podcast is Chauncey Gardner Johnson um, who talking about him later we talked about maybe some surprises some surprises in the draft he's a candidate for a guy that may surprise people yeah uh, yeah another guy that I went ahead and picked is Foster Moreau the tight end from LSU he just seems like a chief guy uh, everybody's favorite center, Garrett Bradbury. Yay. The reason I picked him is because... To troll us. To tr- one, to it troll you us. guys. Two, because if it happens, I get points for it, and you guys are <laughs> mad about it. So you'll be double mad about it. Um, See, you're just trolling us. It's wonderful. But we I also think there's a legit chance if he falls, they might take him. And I mean, if he falls, I think he's going to go higher than 29. Uh, another guy that just seems like a chief to me is Anthony Nelson, uh, the edge from Iowa, Sean Bunting, the corner from Central Michigan. Good pick because he visited this week too. Oh, he did? Yeah. So, I mean, good, Weird. good, good job. Uh, Zach Allen, the guy from Boston College. I don't know what you want to call him. I guess he'd probably play end in their system. Yeah, probably. Um, I think there's interest there. Here's my dark horse 29th overall pick guy, Ugh. which this isn't just trolling you. This is, I think there's some actual smoke here. Is LJ Collier, the <sighs> TCU, D-end. Hmm. That would just that would be a very brilliant speaking pick. I'm just it would. gonna say it would. Which I mean, <laughs> which is why it also might make sense. <laughs> right. um, another guy is Corey Ballantyne, the guy right uh, down the street, right down the street, cornerback so, from Washburn. Yep. So he's a guy that may be a late round flyer type dude. Uh, Dexter Williams, a running back from Notre Dame. That was to troll me. Well, his last name is also Williams, and he plays running back. D Williams. That'd be the so, third D Williams. 
So why not? And the last pick is to troll everyone, and that's my guy, Easton Stick, the quarterback Running from back. North Dakota State University. Running back. And let me I also picked him so I could have a platform to just talk about him for a second. Oh no. I get so much crap because I'm an Easton Stick fan and I, and like I'm a homer. I, I totally admit I am. <laughs> But here's the thing. These guys give me crap because I say I think Easton Stick can be a backup in the NFL. I'm like, maybe in the AAF you can be a backup. No, he's going to be a backup in the NFL for a number of years. Him and Trace McSorley are on the same career path. They're Mm -hmm. going to be in camp as a quarterback, and then they're going to have to go play (laughs) running back or something. That's what's going to happen. Do you want to bet right now that Easton Stick has a longer career at quarterback than Trace McSorley? I don't. I don't like Trace McSorley either. No, that's not what I asked you. I don't want to make that's not that what bet. I asked no, you. I don't because I don't. I don't think either of them have a long career. It could be like one month versus two months. Like I just no. So you think Trace McSorley is going to get cut in the middle of camp and Easton Stick is going to get McSorley cut at the end? I think both of these guys no can't hedging right now because you know Trace is going to get switched to safety right away. I think both of and them Easton's going to be in the league for ten years. He's the next Doug Peterson, is what he is. He's just going to back up Patrick Mahomes for twelve years, never really get to play, just be the smartest guy in the room, and then go on to have a very successful uh, NFL head coaching career. You heard it here first. Gardner Minshew was in the building this week too. So I think that's I Carter think Mint who? Mint. <laughs> okay, we we're, uh, we're going to bring Maddie in to talk about his 11 players that he took. Then we'll have Craig on, then we'll close this thing out with a mailbag, but we'll be back right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. It is Maddie Lane. Less than a week, bud. We're there. We are finally here. We can quit talking about what ifs in a week from now, and we will actually know what is happening. I think we all know that I will be correct, but we can work on that here in a little bit. Yeah, no, we got this. Uh, we got this player pool that we uh, we've been going through drafting. We drafted forty four players, and uh, Maddie, I want you to talk a little bit about your eleven, your strategy for doing it. Maybe stop along the list and just talk about a couple guys you want to profile. Yeah, so when we were going in, like we were taking forty four players, and the odds of any one person to me getting any of these right I mean at best you're going to get one to two and if somebody has an otherworldly guess you get three guys so my thought process was not to get as many guys as possible but literally to just make sure that I get 
two, maybe three guys if I'm lucky. I'm just shooting for a low number. So I actually attacked like a bunch of the same positions because I wanted to make sure that I was going to get that. So a position that I felt comfortable with, the Chiefs were going to go after, I got as many players there as I possibly could. So going down my list here, I took Jerry Tillery, and that was my only guy that I was thinking about kind of He's a first-round player. He happened to just be visiting the Chiefs around then, so I just took a shot at him and my first pick. But then after that, we got Amani Uwarie, Justin Lane, DeAndre Baker, Joan Williams, and then Juan Thornhill, and they're all defensive backs. Even Thornhill could potentially play corner, so my thought process was get as many corners as I can. Every time it was my turn to pick, I was making sure one of my two picks was a cornerback just so the fact that I could spread out as many guys as I could and the other thing is all these guys could go in multiple rounds. None of them are locked first-round picks right. or second-round picks. I'm just shotgun approach. We're getting as many corners as we could that could go in many possible picks. So I have three picks pretty much for all these guys to go between the first round and the end of the second round. And then the other position I went after was wide receiver with Akeem Butler, Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel. Now, I'm a little lower on Hollywood Brown than most people. We haven't talked about him much in this podcast. I think he weighs as much as a middle schooler, and I just don't know how you trust drafting him into the <laughs> NFL where you play with giants. He already flies around like he's made out of paper mache when he gets hit in college, in the Big 12 even. But here's the thing. The Chiefs may like him. He's there at the end of the first round, the end of the second round. You might want him. Yeah, and like I think the weird thing about Hollywood Brown is, you know, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah the other day. I, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. You were talking about like injury concerns with someone like DK Metcalf and like almost not even acknowledging like Hollywood Brown is coming off a list Frank injury. He weighs 160 pounds and people should be paying and talking more about injury concerns with him, but they're more just talking about his recovery than his propensity potentially to get hurt down the road. Because he's never been hurt besides his foot. But see, here's the thing though. Like everybody talks about his medical rechecks being great. What's a great Liz Franck injury medical recheck? Like, it's no longer broken. That's awesome, but it's still compromised. And it's an injury that historically has zapped athleticism from players. I mean, not a ton, but players that suffer Liz Franck injuries has historically come back as a little bit less of athletic performers. So why is a guy that survives, like, almost entirely on his ability to be a better athlete than guys, plus being small, not a big concern to people? I just don't get why when you're only comp in the NFL, it's been successful in terms of like a high-end receivers, Deshaun Jackson, it's the only comp. Because guys that suffer those injuries are usually like 200 plus pounds and that's a ton of stress on their feet. Luckily, Hollywood weighs 98 pounds. He's like a feather out there. I, you know what? His I can't good. argue with this anymore. Liz Franck injury is not an issue when you're a middle schooler. I got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did want to say I rounded it out with two defensive ends. So we got Ben Bonogu out of TCU. Guy we haven't talked about enough, I don't think, since the Senior Bowl, just because he kind of got an off-ball role down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. They had him play off-ball linebacker, and his best reps definitely came when they allowed him to rush the passer. I don't think many teams are looking at him as an off-ball linebacker. He's either a 3-4 outside linebacker, or he started to add some weight in this kind of draft process, and he still was super athletic. So sitting him down to play D-end is a great one, and then everybody knows I had to get my guy Porter Gustin in here. So we just put two D-ends at the end of the list for kind of late day two, day three picks. Same thing. Multiple rounds for these guys. We're going multiple rounds, same positions. You know what I kind of find funny, Maddie? You have a vendetta against day three picks 
And you, I don't know if you have very many day three picks in this group. It's like very fitting for your whole draft philosophy in general. Like maybe one of these guys, maybe two of these guys wind up going day three. Maybe. Yeah, no, that was the thing. I was shooting for guys that could go anywhere from pick 29 to pick 92. I think all my guys fall in that range besides maybe Porter Gustin would be the one guy, and that's only because of injury risks. When you get to the third day, how am I supposed to protect someone that the Chiefs are going to like that's going to be there in the 150s? Like, that's a lot of picks that got to go beforehand. I just, it didn't seem worth my time to take day three guys, except for Porter Gustin because, I mean, again, he's Porter Gustin. Matt, Matt is going to know 100% without a doubt if he has won this competition or not I mean, by Saturday I morning. know by <laughs> Thursday night right now. I yeah. won. Of course oh, you sorry. do. One thing I, I kind of thought about with this whole contest is like, I didn't really want to take too many receivers just because there's so many receivers that get drafted, you know? And so, like, that's one of the things I kind of took into consideration, too, is, like, there's a lot of receivers that are going to get taken off the board. So, your chances of hitting on that position just from a numbers perspective, I kind of wondered if if that even made sense. Maybe I should have went with that's, more offensive linemen. That's that's actually – that's funny you say that because I didn't take a receiver either and I had the exact same thought process. I was like, there are 25 receivers graded about the exact same way in this draft class and the, fa- and the, the odds of me – Picking the one that the Chiefs like is not good. So how I narrowed that down, since I obviously so I did go wide receiver, though, I took guys that I think would be there at 29, but you've also heard some rumors of them falling kind of the later second. So if you see a Hakeem Butler, yeah. Hollywood Brown, or Debo Samuel go at 29, like maybe some people think it's a bit of a reach, but it's not crazy. But at the same time, you can flip over to another mock draft and see anyone, if not all three of them, going at the end of the second. So that's why I felt comfortable with those three as I was kind of targeting a specific range. But yeah, I agree. After that's kind of my day three philosophy with wide receivers. There's so many picks. Getting the right one to the Chiefs would just be near impossible. Okay, well, we know you hate day three players and day three of the draft in general. How about you give me a day three prospect All right, so this guy about. I really like. He's got, he's got a lot of juice. His name's Porter Gustin. He's a defensive end for USC. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to talk about Porter Gustin again here. We're going to go with Armand Watts. He's an interior defensive lineman out of Arkansas. He's kind of like the opposite of what I usually go to for interior defensive linemen. He's not super explosive. He's not the most dynamic player, but he's a guy that wins with his technique and kind of his strength. For a guy that doesn't have great lateral agility, he's got an awesome club into a rip move, and he can really turn a tight corner somehow. When you watch him move in space, I don't get it, but when he's connected to a lineman, he can make that tight turn on the interior, gets a lot of pressure. He was a one-year starter for Arkansas, so not really sure if he was just a late bloomer or if he really started to put it together late in his career, but he had a monster senior year. He looked great when I watched him on film. He actually had a really good game against Alabama. He was giving their interior offensive line a lot of fits. So he's a super technical, very strong player that I think in the NFL he's going to make a name for himself. Don't know if he'll ever be a star, but I love his technique and just his hand usage come through on the inside as an interior pass rusher. That's Matty Lane. Thanks for joining us, bud. Thank you, guys. We can get going until next Thursday where I win. And we are joined by the renaissance man himself playing through sickness right now this is this is craig stout's flu game what's up buddy 
Yeah, as we were just discussing it, it's not going to be the Michael Jordan flu game. It's going to be the Bill Winnington flu game, <laughs> and it's going to be bad. Like it's, it's going to be what a normal human being would be like if they had the flu and were trying to go out and, and perform at a high level. It's not going to happen. What type of elixirs do you have? <laughs> like, I'm sure you've... You have you just ponder it like wander out to the garden and pick some herbs and mash them together and I'm surprised you're still sick. At the at the risk of alienating some of our our listeners that might be uh, uh, medicinal herb and oil people, I, I'm I'm gonna dodge that question. This is the <laughs> second time this week that we have made that joke because we made it on the laboratory this <laughs> week too. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, this is great. It's wonderful. We just, uh, the whole thing is just making Craig uncomfortable. It's beautiful. Craig, uh, I hope you're not uncomfortable on your first in-studio experience with me and Jay Binkley on 6-10 for the first round of the NFL draft. Oh my goodness. It's going to be great, you guys. It's it's going to be so good. We're going to draft a player that Kent hates, and you get to hear <laughs> him. I, like, and and I'll make sure to get video of him as well. And uh, you gotta just hear the way he's going to react when Jalen Ferguson is Ugh. taken at twenty nine. He's gonna love it, and you're gonna love it too. And what's it, gonna it, be, what's gonna be really funny, is I'm gonna be there as well. You just won't get to hear my voice. But when that happens, when you hear the guy just laughing hysterically in the background, <laughs> that'll be me. Yep. yep. You get it's the Jake cameo. Wrong. Yeah. I think Jalen Ferguson's nickname for me is Ugh. J Turd. No, it's Ugh. Every time someone says Jalen Ferguson's name, I have an audible gasp. <laughs> ugh. Can't okay. wait for him in the third round, buddy. I, mm, ugh. Um, Craig, I want you to go ahead and just give us the 11 players that you drafted in our Chiefs draft pool draft. And if you want to stop wherever you want to stop, by all means, if there's a logic to why you made some of these picks, go ahead. Yeah. Um, this is the correct one in case you guys were wondering. <laughs> this is this is the right one. This is the winning entry here. I'm going to get... Like one of these right, and none of the rest of these guys is going to get any right. So uh, I started off, I had the first pick in the draft, uh, if we can peel back the curtain a little bit here. And rather than going with the obvious of like a Cleveland Farrell, I went with Jeffrey Simmons because mm. I, I know that he's been on a visit with the Chiefs. I know that he's an insane talent, and we know that Brett Veach likes you know, tearing guys, putting guys into pockets and, and trying to get the most value that he possibly can. Jeff Simmons, defensive tackle, makes a lot of sense at 29. I So I started with him, uh, followed it up with cornerback trade. What's up? You said you wanted to go with what wasn't the most obvious choice, and that was some shade at my pick, Clunaverl. And... Yeah. Um, Galileo once said, <laughs> "No, nope, no. Sometimes go, the go most ahead, obvious pick go. is still the correct one." Oh, Did Galileo really say that? Was that Galileo's draft philosophy? I think uh, that was Greg Popovich. 
I'm just here for Jake making up every single quote in the book about <laughs> Galileo. <laughs> Miss 100% yeah. of the shots you don't take. Galileo. Galileo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, second pick, uh, Clemson cornerback Trayvon Mullen. He's a guy that makes a lot of sense. Could play press man, off man, zone. He's a guy that fits with Spags. And they, they've talked about how Spags has really been pouring over the secondary guys. He's a guy that I think in round two is a prime target. Uh, my third pick, Kent's favorite guy ever. And I, I'm going out here. Round three, Jalen Ferguson makes a ton of sense. He fits all of the criteria that Steve Spagnuolo wants. He was productive Ugh. as all get out in the NCAA. Craig, is one of his criteria a plus eight second three cone? Well, I don't believe that he's ever had to draft somebody with that sort of criteria, but that didn't really ever factor in. But we'll be looking in. for plus eight three cones in the future yes. if that's the case. Yes. I'm here for it. Just draft all the guys just to get under Kent's skin. Yeah. Um, then after that, wide receiver, Kelvin Harmon, another guy that maybe they could look at in round two. Uh, he's His kind of value's up in the air a little bit. He might be a guy that falls in round two and the chiefs i think are going to target a wide receiver in day two and brett veach made a point of saying that the wide receiver and tight end class has kind of this pocket of value in rounds two three four Harmon could be a guy that they try and target there another guy that they could try and target in round three jay sternberger tight end i know he's like everybody's favorite tight end right now everybody's kind of all over him he's a good player he's got, he's got a lot of good football in Visited front of the him. chiefs recently Yes, visited we the Chiefs did, recently. We, we did this before we saw all these recent visits, too. Like, so like I had a really good Absol- week with some of these guys. You had a good week here as well. Yes. Who's been I, feeling who's been feeling the stern for a while though? Jake, you've been feeling the stern for a while. I've been feeling the stern yeah. for yeah. some time. Feel, I don't feel the stern this, as much. Feeling the stern down deep inside, right? I don't have mm-hmm. this sterning desire to take stern. Jake, you might want to get that checked out. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Another another guy in like round two, three. Uh, as, as you'll notice, a lot of these guys in this range I targeted trying to hit on something in that day two range. Connor McGovern, who's an interior offensive lineman. I, I am not on board necessarily with drafting Garrett Bradbury in round one, but McGovern's a guy that makes a lot of sense in round two. He's a really good player. I don't think the drop-off is that massive from Bradbury to McGovern, and he would... And- we haven't talked a lot about him, but he's a very good football player. Very good. He He's a guy that would slot in and start probably day one. Yes. And, and if you're getting that kind of value in round two, and I mean, that's kind of the argument for taking Bradbury that early is that you're getting a good talent that's going to be able to have an impact immediately. I think McGovern is that type of guy as well. Then I started moving towards, you know, some of these day three picks. Daryl Henderson, running back. I I think the Chiefs are going to target a running back at some point. I think if he falls far enough, he makes a lot of sense. I think they'll like him quite a bit. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, linebacker. Uh, he He's a long guy that played safety. He's a guy that we saw at the Senior Bowl. He kind of directed traffic a little bit at the Senior Bowl. He he showed maybe he's got some of the mental side already. He's still a little stiff. He still needs a lot of work kind of transitioning from safety to linebacker. But he can cover, and that's a guy in today's NFL. you got to have guys that can cover. 
Another late wide receiver, that a guy that we've talked a little bit about recently, Keelan Doss. Uh, I know Jake loves him, but I, I think he's a guy that coming in here would be able to have an immediate impact. I think he could compete for that wide receiver three spot almost immediately. And then we can get to my day three sleeper of the week, who also was one of my drafted guys, Woo. Cody Barton out of Utah. He is a Sam candidate for the Chiefs. I know, I, I see the way that Chiefs fans interact with my tweets, my posts on Arrowhead Pride. If I talk about a Sam, you guys are interested. Like You guys are, are feverish to find a Sam. This is a guy in day three, maybe in round five or six, that could be a guy and come in and be a backup and transition to a rush Sam. He he's a little bit older, but he and his brother's actually in this draft class as well as an offensive tackle. <laughs> I, it's it's a weird dichotomy there, but uh, very yeah. But he he played at edge, Mike and Will. Those are kind of the type of guys that they're looking for as that Sam spot to be able to cover, set the edge, and rush the passer. I like him a lot. He's one of my guys, and I, I would be ecstatic with him late in the draft. That's Craig Stout. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. And we're going to close this thing out with a mailbag. Thank you all for your questions as usual. McCarty92 asks, opinions on Rakyasin or Lonnie Johnson at the choice at at 29? I would not be a fan of either of those players at 29. If those are your options, I'd move back and just try to play with that, that tier of corners you know, maybe six, seven, eight picks later. I don't know about you, Jake. Yeah, the draft would have to fall a certain way to to make me happy with Rock if they got stuck in that. Lonnie, I'd be upset with that 29. Yeah. I mean, Lonnie, like, I understand why. Like, if, if the Chiefs took Lonnie Johnson, the logic would be Matt House knows him better than anyone. He's long. He tested through the roof. He did a – he tested great for his size – um, and those would be kind of the logic, like, but I just, I, I can't get behind that. I think there's a lot of, a lot more better corners out there in this class. Lolit McGee asks if used correctly with an actual good quarterback, can DK, DK Metcalf be another baby Megatron? I think that's the, that's the dream, right? That's the, that's, he, he's a swing for the fences. And if you connect, yeah, I think that's, that's your that's your ceiling. Isn't that wasn't that your comp in the draft guide for him? Was it D, was it was it Calvin Johnson? I've heard, yeah, Calvin Johnson's mine. I've heard a lot of TO comparisons as well. I yeah. think that's another good one. I could see that. Um, maybe even like a Julio Jones, like and those are three just big athletic physical receivers that I think DK is and if and like he says here's with an actual good quarterback, sure, like absolutely I think that could be that could be a thing. He, he, DK Metcalf could be a top five receiver in the next three years. Like he has that upside. He could also be out of the league in four. Some people you know? were talking about Josh Gordon comps too. Yeah. I've seen that in like similar production at the college level and some of that kind of stuff. I, I could see it. 
I could see it a little bit. Rich Repniewski asks, do you see the Chiefs taking two linebackers in this draft? Maybe Jelani Tavai or Sione Takitaki. So I don't know if they're going to take two linebackers in this draft. I would kind of lean towards no. And if you listen to Brett Veach's press conference, which I suggest you do, you might be able to read between the lines a little bit on some stuff. Didn't seem too thrilled with the linebacker class as a whole. Uh, so if that's the case, you know, what if they're just planning on going with undrafted free agent types at linebacker? Uh, I could see them kind of trying to do that to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And they have so much invested at the linebacker position already. And after those first two guys, if you're a Mac Wilson fan, maybe three after those guys, they're like, we've talked about that before. They're all kind of in that same boat between second round to undrafted guys. I'd rather just take swings at got camp guys honestly yeah, for sure and if you remember the chiefs 2019 fourth round pick is a linebacker it's reggie ragland so uh not great will amos asks how high would you be willing to trade up for a tier one edge talent i think you know if the if the edge market gets crazy i'd give up one of my seconds to move up so i mean that's that's 18 ish that's about as high as i'd go and who's your tier one edge talent is is feral tier one i would still consider feral tier one he's kind of in that gray area fringing on the outside of tier one for me but like if we talked about earlier sweat starts falling and they love him and they don't care about the heart thing sure here here's the thing for me jake I, if you gave me the choice between Colin Farrell and Montez Sweat, I'd pick Farrell 10 times out of 10. Mm-hmm. I like Farrell. I like his tape. I think Farrell's one of the 12 best players in this entire class. Sweat, top 20-ish, top 25-ish for me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get the Sweat hype as much as other people do. I, his, I think, uh, so I think Farrell's tape is better than Sweat's. I do. Yeah. But Sweat is a freak of an athlete, and he was productive in college. And when you put those two things together, those guys typically just don't miss. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, those those kind of profiles do hit. You're right. I just, I I I still, I just don't trust the tape that much, honestly. But I get what you're saying. And you know, we've talked about density adjusted athleticism. Sweat has it in spades. He's yep. he's elite. So you're right. Those guys don't typically fail. Who dis yo asks? What if? Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, is there at 29. I don't I don't take him. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I just I can't do it. There's would, too many issues on this team for them to be addressing the running back position. I am very much in the camp of no no running back in round one ever. No. Ever. It, I just I don't care. The Chiefs have value at running back with a guy they signed off the streets that got cut in Carlos Hyde an undrafted free agent in the past in Damian Wilson, an undrafted free agent in Daryl Williams, they're fine. They're just fine. They've yeah. got enough. The, the only time you take a running back in round one is if you are like the Raiders and you have three first-round picks and you're trying to build something and you <laughs> need like an, an immediate impact guy. Running backs can be that. Yeah. But that – and that's – even so, is that the best use of your assets? Probably not, in my opinion. Right. But Josh Jacobs is a good player. He's a good running back. Yeah. Uh, Give him to me in the second round. Cool. Uh, McCarty, McCarty1982 asks, your feelings on what the Chiefs might do on Thursday different any now after the uh, the pre-draft presser? Dude, I got a hot take here. Uh-oh. I got a real hot. I listened to the presser. The Chiefs are going to take someone who they think is a good football player. <laughs> I knew you were going there. That's what they're going to do. Great take, Jake. 
Great, Jay. There's I, nothing to take. I don't think there's much. To, I know you love to speculate on press conferences. And I like, just like to play the game. Hang on every word they say. But if Brett Veach is 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 the man, is the GM, if he's given away stuff in his presser the week before the draft, then I have I have issues with that. I don't think he's giving things away. I I think organically there are a few things that he will say that can give you hints at to where he values the board. That's an issue. You practice, do better, do better. You don't if, think, if there's things that you're organically giving away, you're not doing a good enough job at the podium. If he thinks the cornerback class is good in rounds one, two, and three, I I would agree with that. It's good to know that he kind of sees that range. Those kind of things, I just like to listen and see if there's anything I can glean from that. Mm. I think there's a path, and he might be, if he's good at his job, maybe, yeah, he's taking you down the wrong path, but I think you could kind of hint through some of the things that he talked about. He thinks the defensive line and the tackles and the quarterbacks are flying off the board early. That would be pretty good for the Chiefs. Maybe maybe an edge falls, but if not, I mean, tackles and quarterbacks. That's what he wants to happen, too. Yeah, so maybe that's what he's trying to push. Maybe strategically, he's trying to you know drum up interest there. Say, hey, these quarterbacks are flying off the board publicly. You never know. But, I mean, I don't think you can formulate a ton of opinions. But it was, you know, I, he he did say he doesn't like the safety class. That'll be interesting to see if he was lying or not. Because I think there's some good day two safeties. So, you know, if he's just trying to play the whole, uh, ah, the safety class sucks they call thing. call a weak safety class, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, he's lying. Maybe. I remember I remember one time uh after day one of the draft that John Dorsey got up there and this I'll never forget this. For some reason, he's like, Any surprises? He's like, Yeah, I'm surprised Dalvin Cook's still on the board. On day two and his day one like in after the on his Thursday press conference, like, okay, are you just is is Dalvin Cook off your guys' board and you're just trying to get someone to take him and you're just trying to push that narrative that he's just a great football player? Like I think about the like it, it was very interesting. There's no way he actually wanted Dalvin Cook in that scenario. He's flat out said, I'm surprised Dalvin Cook is still on the board. Maybe he was. <laughs> I don't know. I love this. I love this kind of stuff. I think it's fun. And at bare minimum, I just like to play the game in my head. Whether or not I'm going down the right path or not, I'm not like letting it formulate too many opinions. I just like to play the game in my head. Uh, Ray Sean KC asks, or Ray Shank KC asks, Veach mentioned how well Byron Pringle is doing this offseason. People forget he fed the entire or led the entire country in yards per catch in college. So with him and Demarcus Robinson and Garrett Dieter, do we really need another receiver unless it's someone spectacular? Um, so yeah, I don't think you formulate your draft strategy based on Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, and Garrick Dieter. Those guys are not keeping you from making any moves at the receiver position. Even if you like their upside, Byron Pringle got hurt last year. He missed the entire season because he got hurt late in the late in the preseason. Garrick Dieter did not look like a world beater when he got on the field. Demarcus Robinson has some potential, but uh, all of his plays come out of structure. I don't know how much they actually trust him to run his route tree or to run the offense. Would you be surprised if he got cut this year? Demarcus Robinson? Yeah, I would be. Would you? Yeah, just because they do have, him and Pat do have a connection out of structure, and he made some big plays. Patrick Mahomes' 50th touchdown was on a broken play that Demarcus Robinson gave up on the curl route too quick and just threw his hand up. (laughs) Hey, I'm open. 
and he made the play. So, no, I, I do think, especially in chaos, Demarcus Robinson and him do have a connection, but... I mean, some of these other guys, no. Like, those guys aren't keeping you from making a, uh, making so a move. What I'm saying is if they do take a wide receiver, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the odd man out. If I would. they do like Pringle, if they do like Dieter. I, 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 would, um, I would bet a sizable amount of money that Demarcus Robinson <laughs> is on this team next year. Just they like, I, they like his ability out of structure. They don't trust him with everything, I don't think. Well, yeah. How much out of structure are they going to have? A lot. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Out of structure. I mean, a lot of the big plays, in, and Mahomes even singled him out in his press conference today or this week, saying you know that Demarcus Robinson just has a way of finding open spots in some of these broken plays. Like There's, like, there's something about it. There's some science to it. The no-look pass was a Demarcus Robinson catch. Uh, Hiller Brett asks, how do you feel, or how would you feel about drafting Byron Murphy, Juan Thornhill, Andy Isabella, and Blake Cashman with the first three round picks? Jake, how would you feel about that draft? Hmm. I think I'd feel, I think I'd feel pretty good. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go. I'll let you think about it. Sorry for springing that on you. I think I would feel pretty good. I don't love Andy Isabella and Blake Cashman, but I've been talking about this a lot the last couple weeks. My bar to clear for me being happy with this draft after last year's draft is very low. And getting Byron Murphy and Juan Thornhill is great. Andy Isabella's a fine player. The value's not quite great for me. Blake Cashman, pretty good player. He's a pretty good player too. But I love, I would love to end up with Juan Thornhill and Byron Murphy with the first two picks. I just, I, I like those players. And getting two good players in this class that I actually like is like a happy draft for me. I can deal with everything else. I just want to be happy about one pick this year because last year's draft, we all know how I felt about last year's draft. I was very underwhelmed. Yeah, so like what I'm thinking about is Byron Murphy would be a slam dunk. I would love that pick at 29. Juan Thornhill, hey, I'm a Darnell Savage guy. I don't know. I don't just tell you. Juan Thornhill. Maybe Savage was off, was off the board earlier already. Probably because he's better. Um, <laughs> it's close. Andy Isabella, I'm with you. I would be underwhelmed with that. I'm not a huge Andy Isabella guy. Blake Cashman is like a fun story, but the dude's got two bad shoulders. Yeah, and that's a tough. That's a tough thing for a linebacker to overcome. Like, I uh, yeah, I get you. That's a tough thing to see a guy with two bad shoulders to play that position to make it to a second contract. Honestly, yeah. Um, so, and you 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 would hope that your top 100 picks are have a clean bill of health and too. a second contract. I get you. Yeah. So, um. I would be pretty. I'd be pretty happy with that, I guess. But I'd be. I'd have questions about Isabella, just because I'm not a big fan. Not saying I don't think he's going to be a good player. Kind of the same with Blake Cashman. Which, when you get to the third round and beyond, I guess that's kind of how it is. So I don't know. Who knows? Uh, the Wazzy asks the biggest surprise in the first round that nobody is talking about that could happen. I mean, you said L.J. Collier earlier. I did. Titus Howard has been getting a lot of buzz late. Which I think would be a but little it, crazy. Is that weird though? Because I, I was thinking about him too. Because he's just kind of someone we've glossed over, and we've talked about him. He was the guy that stood out to us at the Senior Bowl because he's got the tools. Yeah, there's no question about that. He's a backup. He's a walk-on quarterback. Walk-on quarterback to tight end. That they're like, hey, play play guard. Okay. Hey, play tackle. Okay. Um. So, but when you go back and look at, I was looking going back and looking at like uh, Daniel Jeremiah's like top 100. He's always had him in the top 50. 
and pretty high, it might be more highly regarded than we than we in the media. Yeah, or, so you know, we think he's on just our a side. guy. I think that we've kind of just glossed over. I don't. I wouldn't be super surprised to see him go late round one. Um, another uh, exciting thing that I think is, might happen is people talk about. There's been a lot of buzz about something crazy happening in the top ten. Yeah, this year. So you think about okay. So what's crazy? What what would happen? That's crazy. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Right. You think like, oh, hey, there's not a safety that's going to go high in this class because this is a weak safety class. But who is a safety that could go in that range? Probably Chauncey Garner Johnson. Yeah, would be the guy that would not surprise me to see him like ability in the nickel, like Denver. Like Denver's love Drew. Lock. Probably not, but yeah, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. that would be crazy because right. like they've been on Drew Lock. They've the been Lions. on quarterbacks. Oh, boom! They take Chauncey Garner Johnson. The Lions would be another guy, another team that's like, wow. The Jaguars are another team. That hey, let's just add another stud cover guy to that secondary. Whew. I don't know. So, I mean, if that's know. gonna happen, that would be my guess at like something crazy happening in the top ten, and he would be my pick for a guy that might slide in that high. Well, Not that I think it's gonna happen, right. but like if I'm throwing, like, hey, what's what do you what do you think the crazy thing in the top ten is gonna be? That would be if I had one guess, that would be it. Like Daniel Jones as QB two <laughs> off the board. How about Daniel Jones going six to the Giants? Go one. Ugh. I could see it happening. One? Not at oh, one. No, like, no, 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 no. Daniel Jones is imagine? six. Daniel Jones is six to the Giants. Yeah. Because the Eli connection, the Cutcliffe connection. Gettleman seems like a guy that loves himself some good play fakes. And Jim Nagy's been saying it. Forever. For months. That yeah. the, the NFL is way higher on Daniel Jones than any of us schmucks in the Twitterverse are. I don't hate Daniel Jones. He's my QB3. I like him more than Drew like Locke. I don't have a very good high grade on him. Um, but I'll tell you something. So Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah do their, their 360 where they will like go in-depth on each player. They'll talk to like their parents, their siblings, their high school coaches, all that stuff. Listen to Daniel Jones and come away not a fan of his. Yeah. Like, he just has the right stuff, it would appear to He's be. got it. Yeah, He's got what, the moxie. Whatever that is, but he just seems like a quarterback in yeah. the NFL. Like I, just, I don't disagree with that. He checks all the boxes. And I think, like, I think from a guy that, like, the little things, small details about the game, I think he pays attention to. And I think he's very committed. Like, he's kind of got that Peyton Manning obsessiveness about his mechanics and stuff, some of his mm-hmm. play fakes and, and all that kind of stuff, the mechanics of the game. Like, I think that dude. I've seen that dude hang in the pocket, and and deliver balls. With like the the talent around him was just cheeks. Do you know how many guys have been drafted that he's played with on offense? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Not one. I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like I'm not surprised. Uh, SoCal eleven eighty six asks, how does the Veach press conference change your expectation for day one or two, and does it? I don't know if it changes anything. Did we already talk about this? Yeah, we did. But someone asked it again, and I. Hey, I got a hot take. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one's listening anyway. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back early next week. The lab, the AP Lab is on Monday. The draft show will be on Wednesday. Arrowhead Pride uh, will uh, the Arrowhead Pride pre-draft show will be on Wednesday night, so it'll be up on the podcast channel on Thursday morning getting you ready for draft day. Make sure you're listening to 610 Sports Radio. We will be covering the draft from there. Cannot wait. We will catch you next week.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.